0: In a stupid movie, shark is the fastest transportation available. See, if you're going to London from New York, let's say, right? Tear up them Concord tickets, get the next fish out of town. Radio Drone. It's another episode of Radio Drone. Dun-dun, I am Josh. Dun-dun, Hadley. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. Cecil, do you know what the topic is tonight?
1: Shark! Shark!
2: Shark! Peter, throw us some Jaws line. In a stupid movie, the shark is the fastest mode of transportation.
0: I actually a line. That's more of a critical accusation. That's but not what uh, I can't disagree into... with. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the Jaws franchise. And now tonight it will be just the Jaws franchise. Next week we'll deal with the spawn of Jaws, all the rip because otherwise we'd have a five-hour damn show. So I want to talk about just the Jaws franchise tonight. But now, Peter, do you know what other kind of Jaws people can end up getting? What other kinds
2: of Jaws?
0: Adam and Eve promo!
2: <laughs> Am I being uh, made to do the promo? Is that, uh, is that what's going on here?
0: Was I too subtle?
2: Uh, not really, no. You can, uh, I don't know what kind of sex toy a a Jaws would be.
0: I know, I know they have those, like, mouths that, that you those can— like gag, Those, like, ball
2: gag? Those, like—yeah, I used to work at a sex shop, and they had, like, reverse ball gags that, like, keep your mouth open. Uh, you can get yourself one of those at uh, adamandeve.com, and if you use the promo code DROME, you can get 10 free gifts. That's a gift for him, a gift for her, six free DVDs, free U.S. shipping. So uh, if you're Canadian, you're kind of shit out of luck for that. And again, that's if you use the promo code DROME on adamandeve.com.
0: You also get just a straight-up mystery
2: gift. And a a mystery gift. That's right.
0: Well, it might not be straight. I mean, sure, it'll go up. It
2: might be be uh, I don't know. Could be both. Could be by. You never know.
0: That's very, very
1: true. So there uh, is a Jaws porno. Gums? (laughs) Well, there's Gums and there's This Ain't Jaws in 3D. Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, so such an (laughs) original title.
1: You know what you're getting.
0: I mean, hell, in Gums, you get Brother Theodore, because that's what you want in a porno, right?
2: Okay, what is the shark in a Jaws porno parody? Seriously.
0: It's a woman um, who blows guys while underwater and then bites their penis off. Gums. And Brother Theodore I was just is picturing quint.
2: I was literally just picturing a dude with a huge dick that has like a fin tied to his back. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks into the room and goes, you're going to need a bigger pussy. <laughs> and what would Brother Theodore have to do with that?
0: But we're going to talk about the Jaws franchise. It's summer. People are going to the beach we need to instill a fear of the beach in people again. Jaws is arguably called the first blockbuster. And I would say with the exception of Planet of the Apes, I agree with that. And Planet of the Apes will come up again later tonight as well, in a weird way. Jaws. The first film at the time was the highest grossing movie in history. Made on a $9 million budget in 1975, it only made $471 million in its theatrical run. Just a tiny bit of profit.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's it made a couple of bucks. I, it barely made its money back.
0: What was your first encounter with Jaws? I mean, this the year I was born, and neither of you were born at this point, but did you see it on video? Did you see it on TV? Did you have it hyped up for you? How did you encounter Jaws for the first time?
2: I remember watching it on TV. Um, I don't remember specifically when. I know I was very young. And I believe I had just caught the the tail end of it, like it was when Quint was being devoured by Would uh, you say you Jaws. caught the dorsal fin? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing a, a bit of it and thinking that was cool, seeing a giant shark uh, devouring a guy on a boat. And then uh, I saw it later on and, um, you know, rented it and uh, began to appreciate it more. And, uh, I, I think it really, it deserves the, the praise it gets as a, as a classic. I think it really is one of the, one of the all time classic, not just horror movies, not just when animals attack movies, but one of the all time, just classic films that you can encounter.
1: I don't remember exactly. Um, I, it was one of two ways either. Uh, I saw it on TV or there was a, uh, a drive in theater that ran like all through the 80s and a little bit into the 90s that was near uh, my house. And uh, my folks used to take me and my sister uh, there. So I don't rem- I know I saw it on TV and in the drive in theater, but I don't remember which you know, uh, one I saw first. But uh, I just remember, you know, really enjoying it and being terrified of sharks. Thankfully, I never really got into the whole, like, afraid to go to the beach thing. But I remember that was a big thing back when the movie first came out, where people were just like, no, not going near the beach.
0: (laughs) Jaws coming out in 1975, a complete train wreck of a movie on a production level. Nothing worked. Script constantly being rewritten. The cast... All over the place. I think Jaws, weirdly enough, is the best accidental masterpiece ever made. I think it is a masterpiece of a movie, and it wasn't supposed to be. Spielberg hmm. freely admits if the damn shark had worked, he would you would have seen it much more. One of the things that works in the movie is that you don't see it. He says he would have made a giant monster movie. So I think the movie being as good as it is, is a fluke. It literally is a fluke. And that's part of the charm. But This movie was originally a very different film that, based on Peter Benchley's 1974 novel, Jaws, we know the cast, the acting is just so perfect, but it almost wasn't. Originally, none of the cast members that we know were in their roles. Originally, Robert Duvall was wanted to play Sheriff Brody, but Mm. then he said he was more interested in playing Quint. So at that point, they were going to have Robert Duvall play Quint. And then they wanted Charlton Heston to play Brody. Steven Spielberg didn't want Charlton Heston in the role. He figured out he was too much larger than life and he would take over the production as Heston is wanting Mm -hmm. to do. So they didn't cast Heston. So now Roy Scheider at this point had already been cast as Quint. So they moved Roy Scheider from Quint to Brody after they lost Heston. Robert Duvall had fallen out at this point. So they needed to cast Matt Hooper. And it was between either Jeff Bridges or Jan Michael Vincent because they were still going off the novel version where the Hooper character is kind of a ladies' man and has an affair with Ellen Brody. Just knowing that, that would have changed everything in the movie with just these little few casting changes, wouldn't it have?
1: It would have made a major difference. Uh, it, it, like you said, it is an uh, accidental masterpiece. Uh, because there, there's every now and then a movie will come along where something will happen, that will greatly affect the film like with this the shark not working and them not showing it till the end because if you wouldn't have had that build-up if you would have seen it throughout the movie it wouldn't have had that impact at the end having the different cast like having the people not the same kind of goes in with like star wars where
0: i love kurt russell but he's not han solo
1: yeah kurt russell's (laughs) not han solo neither is christopher walken neither is gary Busey. Uh, It just, it it would not be the same movie. And there's a good chance that if things had worked the way it was initially planned, if they put together the Jaws that they originally wanted, we would not be sitting here talking about it this
2: evening. I think if Jaws had ended up being the movie that Steven Spielberg originally wanted it to be, one where you see the shark a hell of a lot more and a cast of characters that are a lot different. I don't think it would have been as uh, well-renowned as a film as it ended up being. As Cecil was saying, the fact that you don't see, see the shark very much as, uh, as uh, that was an unintentional thing and he wanted to show it more, it adds so much dread to the movie and it makes the reveal all that much more scary and intense because it's this big build-up to it. And I think that's why the um, the sequels ended up falling so flat, because they were the the big, stupid rubber shark monster movies that the original would have ended up being. And it's I think it's why it's probably not the only reason why the sequels are uh, not as uh, well regarded and uh, cheaper. But it it is, I think, a reason why they actually I'm
0: going to stop you. The sequels kept going up in budget all the way through four. So cheaper, I have to correct you on. They were not cheaper jaws was the look, cheapest of all the jaws movies
2: it looked cheap though the, the shark looked terrible in all of them
0: well jaws was made on nine million dollars two and three were each made on 21 million dollars and th- four was made on 23 million dollars
2: oh my god which is really upsetting considering that uh four feels like one of the bad canon movies
0: this film it wasn't meant they didn't promote this movie knowing like like the way we now see a blockbuster promoted that's not how jaws was promoted it was promoted again almost by accident that gorgeous voiceover narration in the trailer that that was supposed to be very loud and bombastic and the shark is coming and the narrator decided no i think this needs to be underplayed and you need to let the imagery and the score carry this. And he said, my narration should be underplayed. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine.
1: It will attack and devour anything It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws.
0: They made two cuts, one of him being all bombastic and one with the trailer that we know. So again, it almost seems like every single thing that works in Jaws was a fluke. It seems Mm. like this movie should not have been a good movie. (laughs) And I think that's one of the reasons it's so great. Why do you think Jaws worked seemingly despite itself?
1: Because essentially by the way that they did it, it kind of turned into a horror movie. So instead of a monster movie, the thrilling moments to it of not seeing the monster. And it's probably uh, going into Spielberg and his directing. It probably did a lot to teach him how to kind of hold back because in in some of his later films jurassic park one versus jurassic park two in jurassic park one because of uh the technology and everything there really was only about 15 minutes worth of dinosaur footage in the film whereas in jurassic park two there was so much more dinosaurs the same could be for jaws where it's you since you don't see the shark since the acting is so good it pulls you into it and then when you finally do get to see the monster it's that holy shit moment and what makes it so much more scary than if you were just seeing it throughout the whole film. Because realistically, if you were to see it the whole film, it looks good, but it's like, how, you know, how many scenes would it have been believable? I know uh, at the end when they, they just kind of propped it up on the boat and, and just kind of were working the jaw on it. Because if you look at it, it's not moving a whole Robert lot. Robert Shaw's more... almost
0: pushing himself into the mouth
1: yeah (laughs) exactly so if if they had showed a lot of that throughout the film it just it would have been like all right this is not good you know and it would have been kind of laughable and uh you know people would have been making fun of it as opposed to holy this guy's being eaten by a shark
0: lines around the block now they took a huge chance on this but they in a way created an artificial hype around the movie they were originally going to release it on 900 screens which for the 70s is almost nationwide. And then someone in the marketing department had very risky but very genius idea, cut it to 400 screens, and then people will have to call their theater. We do an ad campaign, call your theater to get Jaws. Therefore, making the news go, this is a movie people are clamoring for. So the, in a way, that could have backfired really, really bad, but
2: it yeah. didn't because uh, it's uh, everything we've already been saying it's uh it was a fluke in the absolute best way everything that they wanted to work didn't work it was a series up... of
0: flukes this wasn't yeah. a fluke this was one fluke after another
2: it yeah. was a chain and reaction just, and everything just ended up somehow working that uh that ad campaign that really could have backfired but people could have not called and not requested it but people did want to see it there was a genuine interest in the movie. The trailer really worked with the kind of the the downplayed that vibe of of oncoming terror in this sort of in this uh, build up way and the trailer really ended up illustrating what the movie ended up being like I think this uh, this storm that's rising that ends up being the you know the really uh, gruesome finale w- where you actually see the shark uh, and I think that all worked uh, the the movie completely did work despite itself because of of all the flukes for whatever reason. It doesn't happen often, but it's a movie that if, like I said, if it was made the way that Spielberg had originally wanted to make it, it just would have been another run-of-the-mill rubber monster movie. Now
0: that said, this movie breaking box office records around not just the country but the world, this part is a little bit up for debate. Universal, Spielberg, and a bunch of other people say that this was the first movie that ever capitalized on merchandising. Remember, we're still two years away from Star Wars. I disagree mm. with that because after the second Planet of the Apes film, there were Planet of the Apes merchandise everywhere. So I'd mm. say Fox beat them by, by a couple of years to the merchandising a movie thing. The, the movie also has one of the scariest speeches ever. Quint's USS Indianapolis speech is one of the most chilling, Five minutes of just dialogue that I think you'll ever hear. And that wasn't even intended in the movie. John Milius wrote that speech, which Robert Shaw then pared down to what he and what ended up in the film, as a way to kill some time and add some footage for one of the times the shark wasn't working. Again, what of a perfect accident. Is that USS Indianapolis speech not one of the most chilling five minutes you've ever seen?
1: Lifeless eyes, like doll's eyes.
0: Your Robert Shaw
1: accent is terrible. Good. Eh, What do you want? You know, I'm I'm nowhere near. God, barely anybody's near his level. He (laughs) delivers that so well. You are riveted. Like there are a lot of movies where there is extended dialogue where you're like, Oh, can we get back to the break? But you're hanging on his every word, the way he's delivering that. You're just like, Holy crap. Like if if you, you think he actually went through that the way that he describes it, it definitely just adds to the tension and brings you in and sets the, the tone further towards like scary like holy crap this is just this guy's lived through this stuff before and which yeah. made his his exit that much more painful towards the end of the film because it's like oh he went through all this and now ah oh, you know? yeah but he did kind
0: of split with reality at that point he was going crazy by the end
2: yeah but still you know you live through that you don't want to be eaten by a shark Um, but he, it was an amazing performance and I, I I don't know where I read this or heard it but wasn't Robert Shaw drunk throughout most of Jaws?
0: Yes, he was. Robert Shaw was an alcoholic and he died three years after Jaws was made by a heart condition caused by his alcoholism. Yeah, he was a hard, hard drinker.
2: And I think that added to the role too, because you you really got like a genuine vibe out of him that he really was this like shell-shocked alcoholic war vet. And it just, it made that speech, I think, that's I think what added the sort of genuine reality to it, that it was, it was not only coming from the character, but you, you also had him, and it's a dark thing to say, I guess, but you had a guy that genuinely had demons telling a story of a character that has a lot of demons.
0: Jaws comes out. It's this mega hit. It's parodied. All over the place. Saturday Night Live's one of their earliest gags is the Land Shark. I mean, it's parodied everywhere. It's on Mad Magazine. It's on Time Magazine, Newsweek. Jaws is a full-fledged phenomena at this point. The novel, which was a middling seller. The novel by Peter Benchley was just, it was selling all right before the movie. After the movie, they could not print copies of the book fast enough. They, <laughs> there was literally a shortage of paperbacks. That's how big okay. this movie got so fast. And I think people who were not alive in the 70s don't remember that kind of thing. Because in the Internet era, that's relatively rare. You knew with a film this big, Universal was not just going to sit on their laurels. I mean, they did re-release it in 78, but you knew they were going to make a sequel. You knew mm-hmm. they were. I mean, 20th Century Fox had started making Planet of the Apes sequels at this point. Now, sequels are, were relatively rare still at this point. You had the Planet of the Apes movies. There were a couple of Dirty Harry sequels. There was the Miss movies. We did not have when – a, when a movie came out back then, you did not go, well, I'm sure there's going to be a sequel. That's just not how the 70s operated. So mm. it should be a little bit of a surprise that Jaws 2 is as good as it is. It was originally yeah. going to be way different in a couple of ways. Initially, they didn't want a sequel. Somebody at Universal came up with the bright idea, let's make a prequel about Quint's time on the USS Indianapolis. So they initially wanted a, a, a prequel. Someone else at Universal probably said, Scheinberg said, we need to stick with the characters we know. We need to stick with Brody and Hooper. And of course, we know they couldn't get Hooper, but at this point yeah. they were hoping to get Hooper. So- also,
2: I don't think they would have had the budget to do uh, Quint's backstory either. Like he talks about like hundreds of Tigers, sharks, and, and all this stuff. Like there, there's no way they could have done that.
0: But this movie did have a twenty million dollar budget, and it made hundred and eighty-eight million. So not the blockbuster that the first film was, but hell of a hell of a sequel. This film had two different directors. Originally, John Han, John D. Hancock was helming the picture, and he shot for about three weeks. Universal was not liking the dailies. They said it was too dark. That there, because w- there, because there was humor in the original Jaws. They said it was Mm. too dark, it's too serious, and so Hancock was fired, and they brought in Jeanne Jouarek from Night Gallery and a lot of other Universal productions. Problem here was Roy Scheider did not want to do Jaws 2. I mean, Robert Shaw is dead at this point, so they can't get him. Richard Dreyfuss is off doing other stuff. Roy Scheider didn't want to do it, but he had a three-picture deal with Universal at the time. This shows you how Mm. bad they wanted Brody in this. He had just made Sorcerer for them, William Friedkin's movie. And so he still had two pictures on his deal, and he wanted out. They said, do Jaws 2, and we'll count that as two films. <laughs> so it gets you out of your contract. Problem is, he signed on to do the film with John D. Hancock. Him and Janae Jouarek hated one another. Oh, and they, they made that very known on the set, that these two people do not get along. Roy Scheider's a true actor. As soon mm. as Jouarek yelled, yelled action, he did what Jouarek wanted him to do. So that proves what a real actor Scheider was. Saying all of that, is it a surprise that
1: Jaws 2 is pretty decent? I like Jaws 2 a lot. It it does feel like a genuine sequel. It's it's good. It has a very satisfying ending. It, it just, uh, I mean, it doesn't have the uh, the tension that the first one did but it's got a lot of really cool moments. It's got the uh, the barbecued guy and um, Roy Scheider's performance. It's it's Roy cool. Scheider's
0: I, performance, I want to highlight Roy Scheider's performance because you're absolutely right, Cecil. He mm-hmm. plays this. We didn't even have this term then, but he plays this movie like someone with PTSD, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, he the does. The way he's yeah. the,
0: the cyanide on the bullets and some of his reactions. Remember, at this point in time, we still called this shell shock, but looking mm-hmm. back at it, He's playing a PTSD victim, isn't he, from the events of the first film? I think Scheider's performance is very nuanced, and he gives a fantastic performance in a film that he doesn't want to be in.
1: (laughs) Well, it goes to show how much of a professional he is. It's like there are a lot of actors that will stamp their feet and cry and give a shitty performance for a movie that they got stuck in. But here's a, a pro who all right he's in a movie that uh he well it's it's not that he didn't want to be in it it's that you know with the new director and everything things kind of changed and he no longer wanted to be in it but mm-hmm. he didn't crap out he still gave an a plus performance and there's nobody who would say uh that the, you know that it was bad because of that the movie is is quite good who knows sometimes a little uh, a little agitation on set leads to a better performance you know, with with the right director, you know, there are some or with the right actor, I should say, there are a lot of crap actors out there who just give crap performances unless they have a director who completely hones them in. It's a it's a great movie. Uh, it's one that um, I, I haven't seen as much as I probably should have because so I mean, it, it's not the quality of the first film,
2: but it is a damn solid follow up. Agreed. I think it is a solid movie. I think I consider Jaws 1 and 2 to be on par with each other. I just think it's, it's a really good continuation of the story. I love Scheider's performance, and as you you and Cecil were, were talking about, it really does show the quality of an actor. Can you work under pressure? Can you work with people you don't get along with and still deliver? Roy Scheider can. He uh, he didn't cop out. Scheider was great. I, I dug the whole uh, shell shock thing where... You know he's he's dipping the the bullets in the uh, what was it the, the mercury cyanide yes like a like a vigilante kind of vibe to it almost uh, almost like Robert Ginty in the Exterminator and just when he when he goes nuts uh, at the beach on the on the watchtower when uh, he mistakes the school of bluefish for the shark and he starts firing off into the water and what I love about that scene is when he's standing and he has his back everybody at the beach and the camera is. just, on him and everybody is standing behind him and you just see this look on his face like he doesn't want to move from that position because he knows that he has to look at everybody thinking that he's a fucking maniac now like he he just has that total sense of of self-awareness like like oh god what did i just do like and you can see it all of it reads in his face and and i think that that really shows the quality of just how amazing uh he is as an actor and that even if he didn't get along with uh with the director and they were maybe arguing uh, in between take and stuff, he, my god, what a what a fucking performance and what a movie! Uh, I, I consider Jaws one and two to be equally equally amazing, just totally satisfying films. And yeah, like Cecil said, awesomeing with uh with what was like the power cord thing, the the wire that was under the water that that the shark bites into and just roasts it, like it's great. It's it's uh, it's a great movie.
0: This one had more of like Cecil pointed out earlier. More of what I guess the first one wanted to be. You see the shark a lot more in this one. You very much get, even though slasher movies aren't a thing yet, this one has more, more of a slasher movie vibe to it. Yeah. I mean, he's even stalking horny teenagers at this point. This one kind of would be almost a prototypical slasher movie, if you will. It, it doesn't flow as well to me. I think the, the edit could have been a little bit tighter. Zhuarek came from television. He hadn't done a whole lot of movies. This one feels more like a TV movie to me. And then there, there's one, because continuity is going to come up in the sequels here. There's one little continuity error that's weird. They say that this is two years later after the events of the first film, yet his son is aged five and a half years. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that was a little bit of a weird cheat. It was a hit. Like I said, it made $188 million on a $20 million budget. And now the marketing is still going nuts at this point. You name it, you can buy a Jaws product of anything. They had Jaws toilet seats, Jaws kitchen, <laughs> Jaws, you name it. They had you, they had Jaws oven mitts, you know, in the shape poop of a, a shark the shark's mouth. I guess technically, because, yeah, you would pick up the toilet seat and the Jaws open mouth would be on the back. I'm not kidding. They really have that, Cecil.
1: <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go on eBay.
0: So they're merchandising the hell out of this. So you knew there was going to be another sequel. Now this one would take a little bit. We wouldn't get a sequel for another five years. In 1983, we came out with Jaws 3D. This one, on a 20.5 million dollar budget, made 88 million. So the budgets are going up, the returns are going down. This one was almost made to capitalize on the resurgence of the 3D trend. It was a very different movie in a couple of regards. First. This one started out as a spoof of the Jaws movies, made by Universal. They had contracted the National Lampoon Company, and Joe Dante was going to direct it. And it was mm. called called Jaws 3 People Zero. And it was about, the plot was, Universal was trying to make a third Jaws movie, but everybody body of water, including the toilets would have a shark in it that kept killing all of the crew and it was done in a zucker brothers style the hmm. script is brilliant and i absolutely could have seen joe dante pulling this off but then somebody thought at universal thought it would be a mistake to spoof their own movie that if we're not taking it seriously how do we expect other people to they, they killed that idea then they went with the whole theme park idea they hired richard King matheson to write the script for this. Steven Spielberg recommended him directly. Richard Matheson is credited as the writer of this thing, but he says there's very little of his script still in the movie, but because he was the biggest name, they kept his name on the writing credits, so he's been blamed for this movie for years, which he didn't like. Kind of like how the Alien franchise, 20th Century Fox always says, we have to have Ripley in it. It has to have Ripley in it. This one they said, we've got to have the Brodies. We need Chief Brody. Roy Scheider, no way was he going to do it. I'm quoting, uh-huh. Mesistopheles couldn't talk me into doing this. They know better than to even ask. And just in case Universal wanted to try to pull a contract on him, he specifically agreed to do the, movies, the movie Blue Thunder so he would be unavailable during the shooting of Jaws 3D. <laughs> That's how much he did not want to be roped into this for even a cameo. All that said, the crappy effects, the goofy story, I like Jaws 3, and I don't know why. It's got a bad story, bad acting, bad effects, stupid plot, and I can't not watch it anytime it's on TV. I have a weird affinity for this. It's a
2: bad movie that I like anyway. I think it is one of the best bad movies out there. Everybody goes on and on about shit like Troll 2. For me, it's, I I think Jaws 3 is is one of those really great, like, you know it's terrible. The effects, oh, and specifically when it comes to, because this movie was shot for 3D, and in uh, in the time that it came out, they hadn't quite really mastered that. They didn't really know what they they were doing. It was just a Is a cheap gimmick to to get into the theaters and it would work with the glasses, but it would it would ultimately look really weird and off. And there's a specific effect where where the shark is coming toward like uh, the glass in the like the underwater. Oh, I thought you were I
0: thought you were gonna talk about when he blows up and his jawbone and stuff just kind of float in front of the camera for 15 seconds. Looks
2: amazing. That looks amazing. Comparison to like. The cardboard cutout looking shark <laughs> slowly, slowly clipping toward the glass and then stopping, just completely stopping as like these blue glass shards break. And it's just like I rewind that a good six times when I'm watching the movie because it, like I'm in I'm in fucking tears when I see that. Shit. And to sort of uh, cross promote our co-hosts, I consider Jaws three to be one of the best good, bad flicks out there. Oh, absolutely. I
1: I love the scene. As soon as you started talking about it, I knew (laughs) that's the scene that you were going to bring up. It is hilarious (laughs) because the shark very slowly wiggles towards the thing. And then, like you said, it stops dead stop. And then all of a sudden, these awful shards of, of, uh, you know, cut out of whatever come flying at the screen. And then it cuts to water rushing in. It's so bad. (laughs) <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, I love jaws 3. I I Beautiful. think that the I mean so many just wonderful moments. There's that there's the the guy uh getting eaten like the 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 inside the shark's mouth. Simon <laughs>
0: McCorkin Simon McCorkindale even though he's only in the movie for about 20 minutes steals this movie from the
2: main cast. Yeah, it it's God, just yeah, his a, arm it's his like arm at the end is still holding the grenade and that's how they end up killing the shark by pulling oh. the pin <laughs> <laughs> he, sh- he should have used- severed arm that for whatever reason is still on the shark's tongue it's so shit but so beautiful
0: peter he should have used his manimal powers he could have survived he turned into a shark in the <laughs> pilot of manimal well jaws 3 probably its weakest point outside of the theater would be the fact that it looks like crap because of how they shot it in 3d for the anaglyph 3d even when it's in 2d it has this weird fuzzy soft tone to everything to the point where when you see it on tv or even the dvd it's got this weird soft look to it it, it just it kind of looks like a second or third generation vhs dub yeah. so there really isn't even a good quality print of this thing out there which is a shame
2: yeah. It's the but, same as uh as Friday the 13th part 3 because they shot it with the camera specifically for 3D effects. So even on like Blu-ray releases it still looks like it's like uh it's a movie than from the rest. From the mid 70s.
0: In this one you got Louis Gossett Jr always giving a fine performance. You got <laughs> Simon McCorkandell just stealing the goddamn movie and then you've got Bess Armstrong and Dennis Quaid as our main characters. Dennis Quaid is supposed to be playing Mike Brody. Dennis Quaid was like 30 when he made this, but if we're going chronologically, the Mike Brody character should be in his early 20s at best. I don't know if this takes place in the future or if they really just don't care about continuity at this point. But this (laughs) is supposed to be the same character that was in the first two movies, which when you break it down means that Mike and Sean Brody are the only characters that are in all four movies, not counting the shark, which I'll get into the stupidity later jaws 3d was a hit with audiences not with critics and it was such a not hit with critics that when they made the final jaws movie jaws the revenge in 1987 universal didn't even count this as a jaws movie literally the press release that they sent out said jaws the revenge the third film in the remarkable jaws trilogy unquote So even Universal <laughs> was saying, no, 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 Jaws the Revenge counts more than Jaws 3D did. Oh, what? That tells you how much Universal hated Jaws 3. We got to get into some weird, weird backstory for Jaws the Revenge. The head of, heads of Universal did not like the, the dwindling box office for one on Jaws 3D, but they didn't like the fact that it, quote, lost the human connection, that they didn't have the Brodies that they wanted. So they told Joseph Sargent, when he made Jaws the Revenge, they want a movie about people, about the people. This is supposed to be a character-driven movie. (laughs) Yeah, you guys know this is – the only thing I'll say is Lance Guest really does a good job in this. He's the only one. I don't care that Michael Caine won an Oscar while making this. But Michael Caine won an Oscar for Hannah and her sisters while he was making Jaws the Revenge. Lance Guest is the only thing to take away from this movie on a non-ironic level. But (laughs) Jaws the Revenge, they decided that literally they said this was a dictate from Universal. They wanted this to be a people movie, and they wanted it to be the same shark from all of the other movies. So now Mm -hmm. Universal has said it's been the same shark. And remember in Jaws 3, it was technically two sharks. Mm-hmm. The whole time. So technically, does that not make this a ghost shark? If you think yeah. about it,
2: it might explain how it uh, how it beat a jet to another yeah. location.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, shark is the fastest way to travel, isn't it? <laughs> yep. That's uh, that's what. But so this one, Roy Scheider's character is dead. Brody has had a heart attack. Ellen Brody, played by by Lauren Gary, is the only actor from the originals back. She lo- Sean gets killed because the shark is out for revenge. It's stalking the Brody family now, because remember, it's a ghost shark. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm be- not being facetious on that. According to Universal, it's the same shark. Therefore, even though it got blown up three times and electrocuted to death once same shark, it's a goddamn ghost. The ghost shark is going full Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, and it's become a slasher villain stalking the Brody family. And it stalks Mike to the Bahamas, along with Ellen, and she has now a psychic connection to the shark. Again, people who haven't seen this, I'm not making this up! She has a psychic <laughs> connection to the shark, who is she, and she's trying to save Mike's life as, along with, with her granddaughter Thea in the Bahamas, and he's partnered with Jake, played by Mario Van Peebles, who somehow can survive being bitten in half. I'll get to that in a minute. And she has an affair with Michael Kane who is a money launderer for the mob, although that's a cut subplot
1: named all of this hoagie is...
0: hoagie yes
1: named hoagie
0: <laughs> this has the largest budget at 23
2: million of all of how? the movies just how
0: i can't explain it i'm telling you what it what it what was really all happened, spent Peter. On,
2: let's let's just say it it was all spent on michael cain
0: it might have been
2: so i would say probably uh a lot of that was uh
1: because they probably did film in the bahamas
0: yeah, yeah it, yeah, it was shot on location in the Bahamas for the most part. Mm. Won, won the golden seven Golden Raspberry, raspberry Awards and was the <laughs> first movie to ever be voted the worst movie of all time in the first year <laughs> of its release. Other films like Plan 9 and that have been voted worst movie of all time, but that's years later. Mm. This film was still in theaters when it was voted the worst movie of all time.
1: Good. It's hilarious. Uh, f- everything from... The, uh, Did the... I
0: exaggerate a single bit of the ridiculous plot?
1: No, you actually left out some stuff. Like uh how the mom keeps seeing flashbacks to her children getting killed when she wasn't there. And
0: to Brody like... killing and to Chief Brody killing the first shark.
1: Right. She keeps seeing <laughs> stuff that she wasn't available. Like it's like, you weren't there. How are you seeing this stuff? Well, I told you <laughs> she's <are> got you... <laughs> a psychic
0: bond. I told you she's got a psychic bond with the shark now.
1: She's got a psychic bond with the shark. Uh, it's a um, a great white shark that can't survive in the water of the around the Bahamas. It beat the jet down to the... Like it, not only I, I guess the psychic connection is how it knew where they were going, because otherwise, how would a sh- like if you got into a jet and flew to the Bahamas, how the hell is a shark gonna follow you all the way down there? Because
0: he's not a slasher villain.
1: <laughs> he's now a slasher villain. He's a ghost shark slasher villain. Uh,
0: well, I just thought of something else. The shark also changed genders. Because remember the shark in Jaws 3, remember it's all the same shark, was a female, because yeah, it, was, it uh, had a baby.
1: It was a mother, was a mother oh, in the third one. So the shark a, has changed
0: genders now too.
1: And uh the great grand finale, the shark roars.
0: And it also roars <laughs> with a whole bunch of mechanical equipment in its throat.
1: Yeah. Clearly, visible. Clearly visible equipment. Hilarious. It it's it's the comedy that they wanted three to be but they didn't realize they were making a comedy. I like it so much because it's so just as, as influential and as beloved as the first movie is. And then you look at this, this is so far removed from how (laughs) the first movie was like the first movie. Incredible acting, scary, really well shot, uh, amazing looking shark at the end in this the shark looks like crap. The acting is just <laughs> passable. It's it's comedically written. There's no like outstanding performance in it. It's just it's a comedy. It's it's an unintentional
2: comedy.
0: Jaws 4 became its own parody.
2: It really did. It stinks, but it's hilarious. I don't think it's quite as enjoyable as 3. I think 3 all around is a uh, is a really fun movie whereas 4 really uh, almost grinds to a halt at, uh, at certain moments. But it, it does have its uh, fair share of hilarity. Uh, Cecil listed most of the most of the hilarious shit in it. Uh, the one thing he left out is Mario Van Peebles' uh, vanishing Jamaican accent that kind of just comes and goes <laughs> yes. whenever it pleases. That is due
0: to—I'm not trying to insult the guy by saying he's not as true of an actor as Roy Scheider. He didn't want to do this movie. And you can kind of tell, though, un- unlike Jaws 2, you can tell that Peebles doesn't want to be here, can't you?
2: Yeah, and, and it's also maybe a little more forgivable because he was still quite young right. when he did Jaws the Revenge, so I, I guess it's kind of forgivable, and his character was hilarious just because of the, the vanishing accent. You just And you really do. You get this uh, impression that he just didn't give a shit, which he really shouldn't have had to. Like, Michael Caine... Where his uh, role as Alfred in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies is his fucking character in Jaws four. It is. It's the same. He hits all the same beats. He he does the same thing where he's like explain. He he like talks about things he's done and his experiences, and he compares them to what other people are going through. Mister Wayne, when I was in Amityville, I fought a ghost shark. It's like shut up, you old winded (laughs) bastard.
0: Depending on when you saw this movie and how you saw this movie, what ending did you see first? Because there are two endings. The theatrical ending has Ellen Brody literally steering the ship into a rearing-up Jaws, and she stabs it, and then it, it has a bunch of death contortions, and it tears the front of the boat off, and it sinks, and then they all get rescued. But then that ending, a week after its theatrical run, that ending was getting laughs. So they decided to make it more laughable I guess and now she stabs the shark and it fucking explodes and then because Mario Van Peebles, people liked him even though we saw him clearly get bit in half he survives with just like some wounds he comes swimming up to them after the shark explodes like
2: ay man I'm bleeding
0: here man and you're like oh
2: fuck off so That's the one I saw I saw the second one I saw the second one that's the one uh, that's the one that I remember seeing and uh just I don't see how they thought that was going to be less laughable than the other one because that's easily more over the top and more hilarious. Like you you can't really get much more over the top than guys surviving being bitten in half and a shark being stabbed and exploding. That's like that's like when they parody action movies and like a truck uh, crashes into like a big rig full of like sugar and it explodes like like a nuke. I saw
1: the um the the it gets stabbed and breaks the front of the ship off and then uh you know they all uh it it sinks then um when i saw it on video i was like wait a minute that's not the ending that i saw and why the shark uh, just blow up all of a sudden on tape i want to see it again just because now we're talking about it i'm getting all like nostalgic for how (laughs) how just silly it is i could go for like a good laugh no this um, needs this needs to be
0: the next good bad flicks do you guys think that, and I'm not counting Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws, we'll talk about that next week, because that's not a real Jaws sequel, do you think Universal was probably best to leave it alone at this point when they already lapsed into self-parody? Do you think they should go for, you know it's going to happen at some point, a Jaws remake is inevitable? Do you think this franchise needs to end where it is, or do you think there's still life in the Jaws franchise?
1: They should leave it alone. There's just no possible way of them being able to recapture the first one because what they're gonna do is they'll do kind of what Spielberg wanted to do initially they'll they'll show the shark too much and um have it'll be more...
0: a cG shark
1: it'll be a cG shark it'll probably be like a cu- maybe maybe like a two sharks or something, uh, you know, so they'll kill one, and then, oh, but really it wasn't the other shark that was the one they had to worry about. It, it, like, it, it just, I can't see them being able to make it, make it good. So uh, I, I think if if they're gonna do anything, do the new thing, which, like, what they're doing with Jurassic Park, where Jurassic World is a sequel that acts like two and three never happened. So if they do a Jaws sequel, just act like 2, 3, and, you know, 2, 3, and 4 never happened. Maybe 2, like, so maybe start at 3, and well, 3 Well, Universal
0: Universal already acts like 3 didn't happen.
1: Right, so just say <laughs> yeah. that, you know, Charles 1 and 2 happened, and, like, 3 and 4, you know, uh, never happened. Uh, that's the only way I could see them doing it, because trying to remake Jaws, you're immediately going to get nothing but comparisons to it. And unless it is some stellar piece of uh, filmmaking, which it's probably not going to be, it's going to be a, just a cash in. I, I don't yeah. see it going over very well. It's too much of a beloved property to attempt to remake, which is why they're going to do it.
2: I think even if they did a really good job on it, I I don't really see people taking it very seriously because in movies that that have sharks, I mean, the the Sharknados and the Mega Sharks and, you know, all the Asylum Shark movies, I I think people would find it difficult to, like, go to a movie about a killer shark and not start laughing, even if it was played dead straight with really good effects and really good actors. They, They would compare it to all the goofy shark shit that's been around everywhere because we, we really haven't had like uh, a serious shark horror movie in years. The The last one I can remember is like open water and deep blue sea. And beyond that, I can't really. Did you, did, you just other... in,
0: did you just imply deep blue sea was a serious movie?
2: Like I said, that's the only one I can think of that would even count as possibly attempting to make like uh, a movie that's on par with Jaws. And it, it just wasn't. Peter Benchley, when he wrote the original
0: novel, and remember he was very instrumental in Jaws, the first film, and even a little bit in Jaws too. I, I said that when Jaws hit, it caused a frenzy—no pun intended—across America, the world really, but America specifically. People started killing sharks because th- this movie made people afraid of sharks. Obviously, you should be afraid of sharks, but not yeah. to the but not to the ridiculous degree that people were murdering them. No shark deaths and shark hunters rose almost 900% in the 10 years post-Jaws. That's like going after
2: goalies because you're afraid of Jason.
0: Well, Peter Benchley <laughs> was, Peter Benchley was on the Discovery Channel a couple of years ago during Shark Week, and he said he feels bad that he unintentionally probably caused the deaths of, if not 100,000, probably 500,000 to maybe a million innocent sharks that Mm. he killed because of his novel. He is now a conservationist for protecting sharks, and he Mm -hmm. thinks his novel sort of did more damage than he ever intended it to. So in a weird way, Peter Benchley has reversed himself. Do you think that's a fair way to look at it, or should he really be blaming himself for the stupidity of the public?
2: He shouldn't blame himself. Um, I mean, he he wrote a book, and it spawned a really successful film with some fun sequels. Um, and, and people decided to, to take it in a way to uh, justify poaching. It's not his fault that there are f***ing dickheads out there that are going after animals because they, they're they inspired to do so by a movie. These are people that should just die of natural selection. You kind of hope that because they're going after the sharks, that the sharks will kill them in self-defense, because they f***ing deserve to be. These are people that, that actually should get killed by sharks, People do get attacked by in certain bodies of water, but they're they're dangerous animals and and wild animals are, are things that you should stay away from. And if you go looking for a fucking fight with a shark, you've only yourself to blame. And the guy who who wrote, who wrote the, uh, the the fictional novel of an evil shark in Amityville in uh the town of Amity. Uh, and the movies that came after it, it's, it's not his his fault for the people who, who took that as motivation to go kill things. Like, these these people are just pieces of shit. I think it's ridiculous when something like that happens. It just it goes to show
1: the general public panic that goes into these sorts of things, where here's a piece of fiction people are taking to the nth degree and going out and killing actual sharks.
0: All these years later, do you think the new generation coming in because we saw all these movies when they first came to video, and you know some of them I saw three and four in the theater. Do you think the new generation will appreciate the Jaws franchise as a whole, or do you think that they've been spoiled on the Asylum movies and Red Water and the more the movies we'll talk about next week? Because a perfect example is the Kevin Smith film Chasing Amy. He had the trading sexual scars scene. That was a parody of Jaws. He got so many people that thought that was a parody of the scene in Lethal Weapon 3, which was a parody of the scene in Jaws. Does that mean that this (laughs) does that mean that this franchise is kind of lost to the new generation?
1: More so that a lot of things are lost to the new generation. Uh, I know uh, some people who they don't like the original Jaws. They don't think it's scary. They think it's slow and it's dumb and uh, there's a bunch of old guys talking about going out and killing a shark. And then by the time they finally get out to uh, to kill the shark, you know that's it's just it's it's frustrating because now, if they did do, Uh, the 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 reboot that we're talking about it would not appeal to us at all it would be built to appeal to their that generation and it would be you know show the shark too much just lots of boo scares lots of cgi and then they'd be oh this is so good it's so much better that dumb slow first movie that came out piece of garbage see Um,
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna say this right now the we're gonna need a bigger boat scene is one of the best most effective jump scares ever
1: But I mean, that's the thing. Like people, uh, I always say about how I don't like, you know, boo slash jump scares. I I, it's not that I dislike them. I dislike them when they're overused, when they're not effective. Like something like that. It's like there's in a movie where there really was very, you know, there wasn't any. And then all of a sudden, oh, here we go. There's the shark. You know, that is effective as hell. It's not opening a closet and having a cat jump out. That was a genuine scare. So that's kind of different than just the you're sitting in a car and it's dark and all of a sudden somebody bangs on the window and like, you know, that startles you. It doesn't scare you. The, yeah. You know, uh, him throwing chum out to get the shark and then brrr, the shark comes up. That scares the shit out of you.
2: Yeah. So and even like the the reaction is great, too, because he like Roy Scheider kind of just jumps up and he's got the cigarette hanging from his mouth and he's just totally deer in headlights. Like, again, we're going back to him acting through expression he really has this look on his face that completely illustrates that he absolutely knows just how fucked up and frightening and just awful and terrifying and scary the situation actually is and how just massive and imposing this thing is
1: the this generation in general i mean they're there are always exceptions to the rule. There are a lot of people who are of the younger generation who like this stuff, who like uh, the exorcist and Abneyville horror and find the slow burn stuff scary. But unfortunately it's outweighed by some of the people I work with who are younger, who are always, you know, Oh my God, did you see transformers two was the best movie I've ever seen. It's like, Oh,
2: I think you need to start taking bricks to your coworkers heads. I certainly do. I don't know if I would if I would uh, recommend that to like really any kind of kind of viewer because you have a very lopsided franchise there. You have two incredibly solid movies and then it kind of derails into schlock, uh, unintentional schlock because it had a bigger budget than the first uh first two movies, but uh I I think if if you go into it with with an open mind because you've got two genuinely good horror movies and if you're somebody who enjoys like like movies that can end up being so bad they're good and really cheesy and really corny and will and you can you you can sit through it, and take it for what it is and um, laugh laugh with it, laugh at it. I think it, it is a, a franchise that you can have a lot of fun with. I definitely recommend the first one and the second one and then the other two. Um, for people that can't stand, uh, I guess you could say really corny, bad, cheesy, terribly written films, maybe don't see those but if you're somebody that can have fun with something regardless and take it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is then yeah i I enjoy the series as a whole because it's uh there's a lot of variety there there's really genuinely good horror and there's a a shark that's faster than a jet
0: if people want to see you fleeing to the bahamas before you have your affair with hoagie where would they do so
2: uh, you can find
1: me uh, having a, a fling with Hoagie, because, you know, who wouldn't, at escapistmagazine.com and uh, geekjuicemedia.com. Peter, we
0: all know you are Sean Brody in the fourth film, so just go get your arm bitten off and get it over with.
2: <laughs> you, you can find me uh, slowly zooming in toward you like a cardboard cutout <laughs> at Cinematica on Twitter, uh, the Cinemasticist on Facebook. Cinemastic is on YouTube and on 1201beyond.com. And uh, go check out 1201beyond.com. Get some t-shirts and smile, you son of a bitch.
0: And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I, I say, dead eyes. Like a daughter's
1: eyes. <laughs> that wasn't any better than mine.